Hi everyone, welcome back to Coffee and Philosophy with Emily. Today we will be discussing animal testing and attempting to answer the question of, is animal testing and research ethically permissible? To try to formulate an answer to this question, we will begin using the philosophers Tom Reagan, Peter Singer, and Carl Cohen's stances on the topic of animal testing and make their positions clear so that listeners can use this information to distill their own opinion of animal testing while trying to use their points of argumentation to decide if animal testing and research is permissible ethically. We will begin with Tom Reagan. Reagan begins his discussion of animal testing by introducing the two terms moral agents and moral patients. He says that moral agents are individuals who have a variety of sophisticated abilities, including in particular, the ability to bring impartial moral principles to bear on the determination of what all considered morally ought to be done and having made this determination to freely choose to fail, to choose to act as morally as they conceive it requires. Regan defines moral patients as, quote, individuals who are moral patients differ from one another in morally relevant ways. Of particular importance is the distinction between those individuals who are conscious and sentient, meaning that they can experience pleasure and pain, but who lack other mental abilities and those individuals who are conscious, sentient, and possess the other cognitive and volitional abilities that, such as belief and memory. Quote, Reagan also mentions that a moral patient lacks the ability to formulate, let alone bring bare moral principles in deliberating about which one among a number of possible acts it would be right or proper to perform. Essentially, this means that moral patients cannot do what is right and what is wrong because they are not capable enough to make this distinction. While on the surface, this sounds like most living things aside from humans would fall into the quote moral patience category, Regan also makes the distinction that some animals are advanced enough to be categorized into moral agents, while others be belong categorized as moral patients. Additionally, humans can also fall into either category, and this is most often in reference to humans such as young children, for example would be considered moral patients due to their lack of capability to decipher right and wrong. Reagan breaks down moral patients into two kinds. The first being moral patients without substantial additional mental abilities. The second kind are moral patients with cognitive and volitional abilities such as memory, belief, and ununified conception of identity. Reagan goes on to say that there is something called inherent value and intrinsic value. Inherent value is defined as the value of being itself independent of the quality of their experiences. While these words are commonly used interchangeably, intrinsic value is defined differently as the value of experience one has, which basically means what pleases them or what they prefer. The purpose of using these words and giving them each distinct definitions is to make the connection that whether a being is a moral agent or patient, we must treat them in ways that respect their equal inherent value. Reagan then goes on to discuss what he calls, quote, the subject of a life. He says, to be a subject of a life is to be an individual whose life is characterized by if they have beliefs and desires, perception, memory, and a sense of the future, including their own future. 
an emotional life together with feelings of pleasure and pain, preference and welfare interests, the ability to initiate action in pursuit of their desires and goals. Reagan applies these definitions and theories to connecting them to the treatment of animals, because if we are able to categorize some more advanced animals as moral agents due to their capability of processing emotions, using memory, and so on, then there is cause to believe that to expose these animals to harm is not ethical, considering that humans are also moral agents, and it would be hypocritical to make a distinction between the two when it has already been established that some animals, like humans, are moral agents. The second philosopher that we will be discussing is named Peter Singer. Similar to Reagan, Singer also believes that animal testing is not permissible. However, the rationale for this stance differs from Reagan just a bit. Singer introduces the term, quote, speciesism, which is defined as the belief that we are entitled to treat members of other species in a way in which it would be wrong to treat members of our own species. When Singer wrote this, he depicted an analogy between speciesism and racism. While this is not an appropriate analogy to use, and there are countless other ways Singer could have made the same connection without the use of slavery as a supporting argument for his point, we can still outline this analogy outside the context of slavery. Essentially, Singer says, those who are empathetic towards treating all humans equally is more inclined to treat non-humans with the same respect. In return, someone who is more concerned with their own selfish priorities may say, quote, shouldn't we worry about improving the lot of our own species before we concern ourselves with other species? And to give more sort of power, I could say, to this statement, Singer asked how the context of that question would change if the word species was replaced with race. While a reader can understand the point that Singer is trying to make here and using racism as an analogy comes with a shock value that makes one think about this in relation to animal testing. Many are turned off by the uses of racism in his argument. While Singer believed that this strengthened his argument, others found it to weaken his argument, especially when it's read today. This aside, Singer goes on to say that those who support speciesism regard human lives higher than that of animals, and for the benefit of humans, experimentation on these non-humans should be rightfully practiced. Proponents of speciesism continue to say that non-humans are so different from humans that we cannot know anything about whether they suffer. Singer counters and says that, quote, researcher, the researcher who makes rats choose between starvation and electric shocks to see if they develop ulcers, which he says that they do, does so because he knows that the rat has a nervous system very similar to a man's and presumably feels an electric shock in a similar way. If this were not true, then why would we have research tested on animal subjects prior to human subjects? The data would be pointless if the rats didn't provide insight as to how this would translate to human subjects. Singer branches into other arguments such as factory farming and the use of animals as food to further make the point that an animal's life should be regarded just as valuable as humans. And then to make exceptions for this, 
such as the use of animals for food being perfectly acceptable, pending that they're killed in a humane way, is hypocritical to the valuing the animal's life in other contexts, such as in animal research. Our last philosopher is Carl Cohen. Cohen's stance greatly differs from both Singer and Regan. Cohen begins with the very bold statement, quote, animals have no rights. He defines a right as property understood is a claim or potential claim that one party may exercise against another. The target against whom such a claim may be registered can be a single person, a group, a community, or perhaps all humankind. To comprehend any genuine right fully, therefore we must know who holds the right, against whom it is held, and to what it is a right. That was quite a lengthy definition, but Cohen is set on making himself perfectly clear, so he continues to define a right, who has rights, and where these rights are derived from. The reason he does this is because he is aware that the claim he made of, quote, animals have no rights, is very bold, and in order to make sense of where he came to this conclusion, he wants to give all the information. Cohen says that some rights are grounded in the Constitution and law, such as the right of an accused by trial to a trial by jury. Some are immoral but have no legal claims. An example is like a right to keeping a promise you gave me. And some rights are rooted in both morals and in law, such as the right against theft or assault. Cohen finds that humans confront choices that are purely moral and makes the clear distinction, quote, humans are, but not certainly dogs or mice, lay down moral laws for others and themselves. Human beings are self-legislative and morally autonomous. Due to the fact that animals are not moral beings of a kind capable of exercising or responding to moral claims, animals therefore have no rights, and they can have none. Lastly, Cohen believes that the holders of rights must have the capacity to comprehend rules of dignity governing all, including themselves. In applying such rules, the holders of rights must recognize possible conflicts between what is in their own interest and what is just. Only in a community of beings capable of self-restricting moral judgments can the concept of a right be correctly invoked. Considering that animals do not possess these traits, they cannot possess rights, and therefore we do not violate rights as they do not have any. That was a lot of information. Cohen is justifying his stance by giving literal definitions to show that based on these defined terms of what rights are, who can possess them, how one is deemed capable of possessing these rights, the animals simply cannot fall into these definitions and therefore do not have rights to violate. However, Cohen wants to also make clear that just because animals do not possess rights does not mean that as humans, we are morally free to do anything we please to animals and that we recognize that regardless of them not having rights, animals are still beings that are capable of feeling pain and suffering and that should be respected. Cohen maintains that rights entail obligations, but they are not reciprocals of one another, and that obligations arise from differences, differences in status. And just because we are obligated to do something does not mean one is entitled or has a right to that obligation. Like Singer, Cohen addresses speciesism. However, 
Cohen also addresses Peter Singer's stances on speciesism and how poor the racism comparison that he makes is when discussing speciesism. Cohen basically says that being racist and being sexist, or excuse me, speciesist, are two completely different things. Despite outdated and non-inclusive beliefs of some, there is no such thing as a superior race. Whereas on a more factual basis, humans are more intelligent and articulate than other species and may make them more superior than to mice or rabbits, for example. He continues and says that Singer's argument is, quote, worse than unsound. It is atrocious because racism has no rational ground whatsoever. Differing degrees of respect or concern to humans for no other reason than that they are members of another race is an injustice with no foundation. For all of these many, many reasons, Cohen says that he is a speciesist and he does so unapologetically. Okay, we have covered a lot of information. Now it's time to take all this information digest and digest it so that we can use it to conclude whether animal testing is ethically permissible. We have two authors that feel as though animal testing and research is highly unethical, while the third author wholeheartedly disagrees with the entire concept that animals are beings who have rights. There is no denying the benefits of safety and efficacy that humans gain from testing being done on animals as a prerequisite to the beginning steps of putting a drug or product to market. While similar to what Reagan says, there are some animals so similar to humans, such as monkeys and chimps, that to perform routine testing on them would be unethical, which is specifically why research using primates has significantly decreased and is rather difficult to find labs conducting this research. Ethically, this was the right steps to be taken to reduce unnecessary harms onto animals. I think there is no possible way to appease defenders of animal safety and testing and the best course of action would be to continue testing on animals as the benefits to humans are unmatched, but to also use animals such as mice and rats, most commonly in animal research, and testing as to not harm highly intelligent and aware animals such as primates. Rats and mice would be a preferable choice as they are animals with relatively short lifespans and are born in multitudes, whereas chimps, for example, tend to live long lives and birth in small batches. Animals are sentient beings who are entitled to respect and no unnecessary harms, but their lives are not equated to humans, and thus animal testing is ethically permissible on this notion.